My name is Bill Ward from Ward Ranch in Coolidge, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Dommel. Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we have a crop update from the Southern Plains. A farmer there discusses his corn and milo and gives us an update on how cotton planting is going. We'll have more on that coming up as we kick off today's show. My name is Jessica Domel and I'm your host. I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Texas High Plains is officially still in a drought, but recent rains are bringing about an amazing turnaround. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. A new product evaluator cotton program kicks off its 16th season of bringing grower-proven cotton varieties to market. I'm Tom Nicolotti, and I'll have more just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Well, Texas has seen its share of storms this spring, and we're going to talk about the effects that plants may be exhibiting because of this trauma. Please join me, John Bigno, as we talk about plants subjected to trauma. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Corn and milo are progressing, and cotton is going into the ground in the Southern Plains. Carrie Martin joins us with a crop update from the Texas South Plains. Today we check in with the Southern Plains. We're visiting with Tom Gregory. He farms northeast of Lubbock in Petersburg, Texas. Tom, we want to get an update on how things are looking there in your corner of Texas. Uh, let's start off with corn. Did you get your corn crop in, and how's it looking right now? Yes, sir. Corn's up. It's probably about five or six leaves. It's growing every day. It's not. I came through Waco the other day last weekend going, coming back Main M and saw y'all's corn down there tasseling. So we're not near that far along, but we're about five to six leaf on the corn. Uh, we've got our milo in and it's just coming up, you know, about two to three leaf. Well, it sounds like these rains over the last couple of weeks have come at just the right time for that corn and milo crop. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, it did. Of course, our corn is on irrigated land, and uh, milo that's up is on irrigated land. We have some dry land. Milo and cotton that's planted, and this rain should get it up. Profile's going to be pretty short underneath it, but uh, it should get it up, and hopefully we'll, like you said, get some timely rains. Well, Tom, you mentioned you have some cotton in the ground. Uh, is the cotton planting wrapped up, or are you still at it right now? No, we're still planting. We're about a third of the way through. We had started, I guess, a week ago Monday and uh, planted a couple of days and then kind of shut off because we were expecting a big rain and I ended up getting about eight tenths out of it for the weekend, but they were forecasting three to four. So we'd kind of shut it down there just a couple of days. 
Well, Tom, I know those rains have been nice, but it's pretty obvious that y'all are way short right now, and it's going to take a lot of rain to get you caught up. Yes, sir. Well, I mean, our profile is, especially on our dry land, you know, it's way short, and, you know, it's going to sprout that seed, but, I, you know, it's maybe has about an uh, inch of moisture, two inches of moisture underneath, and so it will run through that pretty quick. So, uh, you know, we, we've got some chances, uh, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll get another get another rain and uh, get timely rains through june and july well how hard have you had to run the wells just to keep things going this spring uh we've ran them pretty hard you know we've got some irrigated wheat that uh, that it looks good but we have pumped uh, uh you know we've pumped a lot of water on them uh we've been popping on that trial and wheat ever since uh, really november i guess and you know have, have been able to shut it off here and there but uh uh we we've we've pumped a lot of water this uh this winter and this spring on uh, you know getting the our profile ready for our corn and uh, cotton tom thank you so much for the update really appreciate it you bet good luck to you that is tom gregory he farms northeast of lubbock in the petersburg area i'm Kerry martin on the texas farm bureau radio network Recent rains have been a godsend for farmers in the Panhandle and on the South Plains. James Hunt has more. For local agronomist Russell French, the recent change in our weather is very welcome. James, this rain has been a godsend, just no doubt about it. You know, we've been in this drought since in the last summer, and most areas in the Texas Panhandle and South Plains has received some very good significant rainfall. Obviously, there's some places a little more than others, but generally, I see here in Amarillo, we're now finally ahead for the year since January 1, you know, ahead of normal. Yes, it's true that Amarillo is back above normal year to date. And something else that's impressive, looking at total precipitation received from April 25th into today, the National Weather Service is showing above average rainfall during that time frame for each of its five climate data reporting locations in the Texas High Plains. Amarillo, Dalhart, Borger, Lubbock, and Childress. Russell French, who operates French Agronomics in Amarillo, says with this recent moisture, we could see a little more corn planted on limited irrigation acres than was originally planned, and conditions are really good for dryland sorghum. Now, the huge rains have caused some planting delays, and with more storms in the forecast, the potential for hail is a threat to crops to varying degrees. If we get hail on uh, small corn, the growing point's still below the ground, so it usually will recover okay even in a severe hail up to about uh, just below knee high. Corn can take a lot of damage and, and still come back. Same with sorghum. Now, cotton's not... The same way, you know, cotton being a, a cotyledon crop, when it comes up, the growing points above the ground. And certainly winter wheat is vulnerable to the threat of hail at this time. But all in all, our crop situation looks much more promising thanks to recent moisture. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Before Delta Pine seeds hit the market, they first go through a product evaluator program. Tom Nicoletti joins us with more. The Delta Pine New Product Evaluator Program is beginning its 16th year of bringing grower-proven cotton varieties to market, with eight variety candidates being evaluated for the class of 24. There are six Bogard three Thrive-On cotton with ExtendFlex technology variety candidates being evaluated by NPE growers beltwide, including in Texas, and two Bogard three ExtendFlex cotton variety candidates being evaluated in the Southwest. 
Coast. Dave Rylander is retired from Bear Delta Pine. He was among the people instrumental in developing the Delta Pine New Product Evaluator Program. When this originally started, this was all about genetic yields and fiber quality with Bogard 2 trait that had been on the market for a while. And then when we got into 2013, the world started changing on us with pigweed. And so we said, it's time that we give some of these farmers some of this experimental seed. There's a farmer that said, look, I just had a handful of seed, planted it, and I was killing pigweeds over a foot tall. This is a game-changing technology. And that's about all he said. Delta Pine raised the bar so high. Competitive companies, they had to figure out how to raise their game, which the cotton farmer benefited from that also. So this program has got a bigger impact than just the Delta Pine brand. It's helped everybody elevate their efforts. That is Dave Rylander, retired from Bear Delta Pine. Since the program began in 2008, the Delta Pine NPE program has set a standard for how cotton varieties should be brought to market. Each season, more than 200 NPE growers representing all regions of the cotton belt plant and evaluate Delta Pine pre-commercial variety candidates in large acre plots and take them to harvest. The varieties launched each season by Delta Pine are NPE proven. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The hail and high winds that sometimes come with spring storms can cause trauma to plants and woody trees. John Begno joins us with some tips on how to address this trauma. Well, it doesn't seem to matter what part of Texas you live in, you've either known somebody or had the damage to your plants caused by spring storms or even just seen it from a distance, but it's been very prevalent. It's good that this rain has accompanied much of this commotion, but things like high wind and hail have really wrecked damages on woody plants. You know, we're not so much concerned, although we hate to see our vegetable gardens destroyed, but we can replant those quickly and a lot of our annual plants likewise. But the perennials and especially the woody trees are the ones that are of concern to most of us because they're valuable for many reasons. The first thing you do after a storm, of course, is clean up the mess and try to make it very safe to maneuver around the landscape. And that's one of the things you do. And then a very critical point is to assess those things that might become a safety hazard, like large trees. You examine everywhere from the roots through the trunk all the way up as far as you can see into the limbs. And you may be using a pair of binoculars to examine that. Big splits and things that could continue to become worse and very damaging to property or life. Those are things you want to address quite quickly. You need to consider, is pruning an option? Is removal the best option? Because safety is always first when you're addressing these. Now, if you want to save them, they seem like they're going to be salvageable. You know, the first thing comes to mind, well, I'll throw some fertilizer out there and water it in. Well, that's the last thing you want to do. You have to allow these plants some time to recover. And this is true of freeze damage, which, by the way, we've seen quite a bit of freeze damage holdover from the last two winters. And so you have to just gingerly watch, make sure they're never hurt for water. And then once you see signs that they're recovering, then you can go ahead and fertilize. You don't overdo it. Light frequent applications will help these hail damaged trees, for instance, that have lost a lot of their leaves have time to put out new leaves. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. A false claim is circulating online saying that livestock owners must vaccinate their cattle with a specific type of vaccine. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. Also, a fishing tournament that has over a million dollars in prizes begins this weekend. We'll have more on that coming up in our next segment. 
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A false claim is circulating online stating that livestock producers have to vaccinate their cattle with mRNA vaccines. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has that report. Marissa Perry with the United States Department of Agriculture told Drovers.com that there is no requirement or mandate that producers vaccinate their livestock for any disease. Also, mRNA vaccines are not even available at this time for cattle in the United States. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association issued a statement indicating they are also involved in an effort to clear up the Internet falsehoods. University of Florida professor Kevin Folta appeared on AgriTalk and confirmed that no mRNA cattle vaccine is approved in the United States. But researchers are working on an mRNA vaccine for swine to battle porcine, reproductive, and respiratory syndrome. Dr. Folta goes on to say that the mRNA vaccine is a vaccine for the animal to protect it from disease. The vaccine does not end up in the food. Some of these folks are trying to tarnish beef safety image and are stating that humans can contact mRNA by eating meat from livestock that have received the vaccine. And Dr. Penny Riggs from the Texas Animal Science Department called these statements fear-mongering and misinformation. She again reinforced the fact that there are no mRNA vaccines currently available for beef cattle, but two are available for swine. Also, she says no food safety risk exists for meat from animals that have received any vaccination and mRNA from a vaccine will not be passed along in the meat. For more information on this complicated topic, contact Dr. Riggs at riggs at tamu.edu. That's riggs at r-i-g-g-s at tamu.edu. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas anglers have a chance to win a new truck and boat, ATV, a boat and trailer package, and college scholarships this summer, but they have to register first. It's all part of the annual State of Texas Anglers Rodeo, or STAR Tournament, hosted by the Coastal Conservation Association of Texas. The tournament opens at 6 a.m. Saturday and runs through Labor Day. Ryan Towns, Assistant Tournament Director, joins us with more on what anglers who catch a redfish that is tagged could win this year. So the first five anglers that catch the red tagged redfish, and I'd like to note that we release 120 tagged redfish up and down all 600 miles of Texas coastline. We release them at piers, jetties, docks, boat ramps, and also into the bay systems as well by boat. But those first five anglers that bring in a red tag redfish. You have to catch the redfish, clip the tag, and release the fish. That's very important. But those anglers are going to go home with a 2023 Ford F-150 and a 23-foot Haney Bigfoot Mercury motor and coastline trailer package. 
And then we also have our blue tag division. Those first three blue tag redfish that are brought in are going to be going home with a 22 SVT cat with a raised center console, a 150 Mercury motor, and a coastline trailer package on that guy. We'll have more on anglers' other chances to win on our next show. In the meantime, you can register for the tournament and read this year's rules at startournament.org. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle traded lower on Tuesday as traders awaited this week's cash cattle trade. Trade was also impacted by corn trading mildly higher on Tuesday. June live cattle down 77 cents to 164.27. August live cattle down a dollar and two cents to a dollar 62.57. October live cattle down 97 cents to 167.17. Demand for feeder cattle remained strong, but corn trading mildly higher and live cattle not lending any support led feeder cattle to trade mostly lower on Tuesday. May feeder cattle up $1.22 to $207.80. August feeder cattle down $1.42 to $233.47. September feeder cattle down $1.10 to $236.75. Box beef was mixed, choice up 18 cents to $304.08. Select down $1.52 to $281.91. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Wayne Geis White sold cattle in Fredericksburg last Wednesday. Wayne, how did it go? Larry, we had about 600 head. The quality just wasn't there. Uh, we had some really fancy calves, and they were all big. But as far as the good, really fancy, lightweight calves, we didn't see them today. Saw a lot of fat new coppers, and as far as the overall market, I called it about steady. There's a spot or two that might have been a little higher, especially on some of the bigger heifers. Sold 600 pound heifer up 208. Five weights up to oh, 220 plus. Four weights in the two up to 240. I didn't have any of those real fancy lightweight steers. 270, 275, 184, five weights, kind of a little different. That was up to 260. And the six weight steers up in the 220s, 226 or 7, kind of where they talked about. They might have been just a little bit stronger. Some of those number two kind of cattle were really so good. They were thin and they had a lot of condition on them. And people were sure trying to buy them. But, you know, they just didn't bring those quote prices. Well, are the cow is probably $2 to $3 higher. Right. So dollar two up to dollar eight. Didn't have any really, really high yielders. But I think we topped out still at dollar eight. So that's quite a bit higher. Didn't have a, you know, big bull either. Um, still had some bulls bring up close to one, you know, 120. Okay. Now, next week, are you aware of anything? Right now, Larry, I don't know if a whole lot coming next week. Uh, I'm sure we'll get, if it doesn't rain, which we'll sure take the rain again. I'm sure we'll get 7-800. Sheep and goat sale will probably pick up. Uh, have quite a bit of rain, you know, right before the sheep sale. 
uh, ended up with just 2,200 and something hits all we had on the sheep and goat sale. But uh, we're anticipating, uh, you know, some of these sheep and goat coming to market because it's that time of the year. Right, right. Uh, the cattle deal, uh, it's May, uh, you know, it's uh, trying to change over from new crops to our old crops to new crops. And like I say today, it looked like we pretty well established that new crop market. Right. And of course, it's not what the old crop market is, but, you know, a 500 and 550 pound heifer bringing 210, it's pretty good compared to what we've seen in the last year or two. Right. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of y'all. Neighbor, you've listened to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. All right, thank you, Larry. Higher corn prices and uncertainty regarding the debt ceiling caused lean hogs to trade lower on Tuesday. June lean hogs down a dollar fifteen to eighty sixty-five. July lean hogs down a dollar seventeen to eighty ninety-seven. Block cheese rose five and a quarter cent Tuesday to a dollar sixty-five. Barrel cheese was unchanged at a dollar fifty-one. May class three milk was even at sixteen twenty-one a hundredweight. June class three milk up twenty-three cents to sixteen fifty-five a hundredweight. Cotton traded lower for a second day in a row Tuesday due to a strong U.S. dollar. July cotton down 97 points to 84.35. October cotton down 95 points to 83.37. December cotton down 94 points to 82.44. As I mentioned earlier, corn did trade higher on Tuesday. Analysts say that's due to the forecast for drier weather in most of the corn belt over the next 7 to 10 days. July corn up six and a half to five seventy seven and a half. September corn up seven and a quarter to five twelve even. December corn up seven and three quarters to five sixteen and three quarters. July hard red wheat up fifteen and three quarters to eight forty one and a half. September hard red wheat up sixteen to eight thirty three and three quarters. June natural gas fell seven cents Tuesday to two thirty two. July natural gas down five cents to two forty nine. July crude oil up 84 cents to 72.89. August crude oil up 89 cents to 72.86 a barrel. The Dow down 215 points Tuesday to 33,071. The S&P 500 down 43 points to 4,147. And the Nasdaq down 151 points to 12,568. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.